0: Go on to Revelation chapter 6. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering as he conquered. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, Until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, "Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who is seated on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb." For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Mm-hmm. Reading the word, you may be seated. We come to this point in Scripture, and this is this is really the stuff that, that Hollywood movies are are often inspired by... We can look to Hollywood and it seems every year they're putting out an end-of-the-world type of scenario movie. But this is nothing that is new to Scripture. We've been to- told about this for centuries upon centuries. But I-, I first want to say that when you read about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, for you to understand, Christian, you have no reason, none at all, to fear what is written in this book. Amen. This book is intended to give you hope It is intended to make you rejoice. It is intended to make you worship the Holy One. So when you read these things, and there are some very scary things, these are not meant to scare you, but to give you hope. When, When we look at it, we can look back to Noah and the flood. The flood wasn't meant to scare Noah. The flood was meant to bring judgment, to bring wrath, to uphold the glory of God. Noah did not fear the flood. He warned others about the flood as we should warn others of the wrath that is coming. In fact, in reality, we are living in the day and age of God's grace. We are receiving God's grace. And my intention is to show you in the scriptures that even in the great tribulation, God is giving his grace to the people that are willing to call upon his name. He could end the world right now. And all of us that are dead in our sins who have not professed Christ as our Lord would receive the full wrath for all eternity. We call it hell. It is a literal place. It is a literal fire of torment and he, most of all a separation of from God forever. As we look at this start with the start I want us to think about what we've gone over the last last few chapters and John John is is on the island of Patmos a prisoner for his testimony for Jesus Christ and God gives him this great vision and he is called up to heaven. And he is amazed at what he what he sees. He first falls down flat on his face at the appearance of Jesus Christ his lord. But as he looks in, in chapter 4, he, he sees the throne room of God and hears that thunder and lightning coming out. And he sees everyone bowing down and worshiping him. And then he, and he hears the proclamation, who is worthy to take the scroll? Who is worthy, church? Jesus. Say it again, who's worthy? Jesus. Jesus is worthy. I'm not worthy, Jesus is worthy. So the one who is worthy has now taken that scroll. And what we read here is the one who is worthy is starting to open these seals. And we'll see by by the sixth seal that the world is looking and saying, who can stand? This is the Lamb who was slain. This is Christ our Lord who took upon our sins on the cross. He alone is worthy. He alone is sinless. He alone is righteous. In the Old Testament we can look and we'll, we'll see many many verses, but I want, want us to realize that God has been telling us about what we're reading in Revelation now. He's been telling us about this for over 5,000 years. We, we joked last night with the, the group Anticipation, they, they made a joke about uh, the the old classic hymns versus the contemporary music, and they, they said well, the difference is a man would say that there is a cow in the barn and for the old hymns, and the new hymns. New contemporary stuff would say, "There's a cow in the barn, 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 in the barn." In the barn. In the barn. Make a joke about how they repeat. Well, make no joke about this. God has told you the wrath of the Lamb is coming. Amen. He has told you it's coming, and it is coming. I'm going to go over the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, I'll just say the phrases. I won't read the full verses for brevity of time. But we read in Jeremiah, "It is the time of Jacob's trouble." And the prophet Daniel says it's the 70th week of Daniel. Isaiah 28 proclaims it's Jehovah's strange work or strange act. Deuteronomy for Zelda fans is the day of Israel's calamity. Obadiah also declares of Israel's calamity. In Deuteronomy, you have the tribulation. Isaiah, the indignation. The overflowing scourge. The day of vengeance. The year of recompense. The time of trouble. In Zephaniah, the day of wrath, the day of distress, the day of wasteness, the day of desolation, the day of darkness, the day of gloominess, the day of clouds, the day of thick darkness, the day of the trumpet, the day of the alarm, the day of the Lord, the wrath of God, the hour of trial, the great day, of the wrath of the Lamb of God, the wrath to come, the wrath, the great tribulation, the tribulation, and in Revelation 14, the hour of judgment. God has been telling you from ancient of days from prophets that lived 4,000 years ago, that a day will come where the, the Lamb of God will pour out his wrath. So when we need to ask a, a question quite clearly, I think. It needs to be asked is, why is the Lamb going to pour out the wrath of God? I often don't hear people, well, God is love, right? He just wants us to be happy. He loves us. Why would he pour out this wrath, they also ask? Why is there evil in this world? And you will see that these things line up quite quite clearly. There is wrath because there is evil in this world. The reality is there is evil because of our own free will choices. Amen. People hurt us because they made a free will choice to hurt us. God didn't look down on you and say, I'm gonna make his life hard. That's not God's purpose. That's not God's design at all. God loves you immensely. He loves you so much that He He sent His only Son to die for you. Amen. But there are things that as you would rightly acknowledge, that there are wrong in this world. There are people in this world that love themselves more than God. They don't really care for God's glory. When we look at and see Jesus you know, grabbing the scroll, really grabbing the destiny of the future of the world into his hands, what do people think when they read Revelation 6? Do they see a judgmental God, a wrathful God, a hateful God? Or do they see a God that cares about his glory? cares about his name being proclaimed, cares that people view him as holy and righteous just and true people that when we read Revelation 6 as a church we should say amen we want God to be glorified we want our brothers and sisters that have been martyred to see vengeance partaken in but too often when we look and say why is God doing this why is God so angry we can look at our own lives and see the evil and the sinfulness in our lives. Those that are around us. We see how God's name is blasphemed. He's blasphemed in our own lives. And people that come to church use God's name as a cuss word. The Bible calls that blasphemy. Amen. In the Old Testament, you would be stoned to death. Make no mistake of how God views that. You read the Ten Commandments, what does it say about blasphemy? God will not hold him guiltless on the day of judgment who blaspheming the name of the Lord. We do it, don't we? We actually pay others to do it. We go to movies and pay them money to blaspheme God. For money movies out right now, you could go see and they will blaspheme God's name multiple times and you pay them to do it. When we look out over our country and we see the abortion clinics that are there and the millions of babies that are dying, that does not bring God glory. Let me remind you that those children are made in the image of God. Amen. Each and every one is a slaying, a murder of the image of God. Do you think we're going to be held guiltless on the day of judgment America? No, we have much, much to give an account for. As a nation, as a country, as a city, as a church, and as individual people. We should care about the glory of God. We should care about what He cares I've said it before, the reason we're going to be a mission-focused church is because we're going to care about the glory of God. We want to send people out who are going to share the gospel so that others will come to faith and worship God as He deserves to be worshipped. God deserves to have every single person in this world right now bow the knee and proclaim that He is holy. He deserves to have every angel, every created thing ever to declare that He is holy. So if we say we love God, we must say we love His glory. That is why we worship, to give Him glory. I don't deserve glory. We don't deserve glory. God alone deserves glory. And that is partly what is happening here. I want us to understand that God has very patiently been storing up wrath for all these ages. God has been allowing crimes and injustices, blasphemies and abominations for so long. He has been po- tolerating such lies to be spoken out against Him all these years. Over and over again, we, we see lies from the enemy. Revelation promises that in one day, the wrath will begin to fall. The debt finally comes due. You know We all live in homes or, or, or places. We all have roofs over our head. You know If you didn't pay your rent or your mortgage, a day's going to come when the bank or the landlord's going to knock on your door and say, it's time to get out. Well, that day is coming from the Lord. This land belongs to Him the whole earth, the universe that was created by Him. If we think we are so bold we can tell God what to do and think there's going to be no consequence, well, we are like those that are not paying the rent and think we could sit there and stay and call that home forever. It's not the way it works. We have a great need. We have a need that our minds and our affections should be shaped by the Word of God. People that don't care about the glory of God, it's for one reason, one reason only. They are not captivated by the Word of God. They don't read their Bible when they are at awe and amazed that a, a holy and a righteous God, a powerful God, one who speaks the world into existence, cares so much that he knows your name before you're born. That is how much he loves you. He knows you intimately. He knows all the sins you're ever going to commit. He knows the tender tantrums you're going to have, the short fuse and anger that you have. He's going to know your addictions. He knows all that. And he looks. And he sees you and he says, you are worthy. Think of that. Revelation declares that before the foundations of the earth, God sent his son to be slain for you. He saw all the mess, all the yuck, all the nastiness, and he said, you are worthy to be my child. I love you that much. But as we all know, it's a two-way street. God has done his part. He has kept his word, and he will keep his word. But it's up to you. you. You have to be willing to call Him Father. You have to be willing to call His Son Lord. If you're not willing, you're not worthy of Him. There's no halfway with Jesus. We're not going to get up to heaven and be like, well, you know, I, I, I enjoyed this life and I lived for the world, but I like you too, Jesus. You're important to me. We need to understand that at the end of the day, if, if your faith is not the number one thing that drives your life, you need to have a hard look in the mirror. You need to get down on your knees. You need to read your word and, and have some time with God. Because a day is coming when all this will be melted away. All the stuff of life, your mortgage, your houses, your cars, the, the TV shows we like to watch, the movies, all that entertainment. I love that type of stuff. But that is not, that is not what matters. That is not what's going to endure. At the end of the day, we will stand before a holy and righteous judge. We will stand before the Lamb of God. Will you be ready to stand? every knee will bow not everyone will be ready to stand and give an account some will be left in utter shock at, at what what is about to occur god is just he's going to repay all the ways that his glory has been despised and his holiness defiled when we look at revelation understand that that this is this is the the Ultimate outpouring of God's wrath on this world for the way they have treated Him. You would not allow your children to treat you the way that God's children has treated Him. There is recompense. There is judgment. There is that tough love we like to talk about. But I want you to know there are three specific reasons why we see the events in Revelation. Number one is to make an end to evil, to the, the wickedness that is in the world, to put an end to those cancers and those horrible things we see to put an end to the evildoers. We read in Isaiah 13:9, Behold, the day the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and de- destroy its sinners from it. God has been very clear why the wrath comes. He cannot handle the presence of sinfulness amongst him. When Christ returns to the earth, there will, there will not be the presence of sinners there. There will be the, the righteous and the true and the rest will be judged and they will be dealt with. They will be sent to hell. I'm not going to sugarcoat that for you. I'm not going to try to make you feel better so you can sleep better at night. I didn't sleep very well last night as I was wrestling with this message. I literally went to bed at 2.30 in the morning. I was, sure was said I was so you know, uplifted by the music, but this message has been on me all week. And it's not an easy message to preach. But God is coming soon. And your families need to know that. Your friends need to know that. As we look, number two, is that there's going to be a worldwide revival. I asked the Sunday School class this. You know, for thousands of years, the church has been going and sending missionaries out. If I told you that money was never an object, that you had as many missionaries as you needed to send out, what would your plan be to evangelize the whole world? To send the gospel to the ends of the earth as Christ has charged us with? What would it be? God has a plan. Let me tell you what he's going to do in the tribulation. In seven years, he's going to evangelize the entire world. He doesn't need millions. He's going to do it with 144,000. That's what the Bible declares. I want us to think about this. Shortly after the uh, the time Jesus was crucified, a few decades later, there there was a, a man who claimed to be the Messiah. And the Jewish people followed him. And he tried to overthrow the occupation of Rome. It didn't go so well. He died a horrible death, along with many of his followers and his soldiers. And then Rome said, enough is enough. And they came and they destroyed the temple. They fulfilled the words of the prophecy of Jesus in AD 70, where not one stone would be left unturned. And why was that? Because the the temple of Solomon was so glorious it was laden with gold. Not just on the bricks on the outside, but even what we would call mortar today had precious jewels in it. It was a glorious building. So the soldiers, as a bonus pay, if you will, literally would melt down the bricks and take whatever jewels, whatever gold they could get. Literally the entire temple was torn down. All that's left of it that's standing to this day is the western wall, what we call the wailing wall. A wall of very large stones where people put little prayers in there. You don't need to put a prayer in a wall for God to hear you. You go to God right now. He will hear you. But understand what happened. The the Romans came down on that part and many of the Jews fled. To this day, most of them have not returned. And they did not have a country again until 1948, May 15th, when once again Israel was reborn as a nation. As we are reborn as as children of, of God after we accept Jesus Christ, Israel was reborn. And a small remnant has returned. But in each and every country around the world, guess what there are? There are Jewish people. And in every country except one, they are still taught the laws of Moses, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They are taught about the Messiah who is to come to save his people. What country do you think lacks that? You don't have to go very far. It's the United States. We're the only country that the Jewish people are secularized. Everywhere else you, you see people. What well, God has done and he's made them ready. And a day will come where God will seal 12,000 of each tribe. We'll talk about it more next week in chapter 7. But what he's going to do is he's going to send all these people out. They are going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit that Christ is the Messiah. They will be supernaturally sealed and they will be literally 144,000 milligrams going around the world telling everyone about Jesus. And even those that would desire to kill them will not be able to. God has a plan. I want you to understand that during the time of tribulation, while it, it, there's all these horrible things that will happen, millions of people will lose their lives. But at the same time, God's name is being glorified. And people are coming to a knowledge and a faith in Jesus Christ. It is truly a worldwide revival. As we, we look, the third one is, and it's probably the, the hardest for us to hear, is, is to break the power of the holy people. And what is clearly stated here is, is that right now in the nation of Israel, it is a secularly led nation. When Christ returns, Israel will be a nation as it once was, it will be a nation on fire for God. It will be consisted of people who love Jesus, who long for him to return. The prophet Zechariah said, They will look on upon the one whom they have pierced and mourn for the, him as they mourn for their only son. But I, but I want you to see, we, we, we have this in Daniel. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, there stood other two, the one on the brink of the river on this side and the other on the brink of the river on that side. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven and swore by him that lives forever that it shall be for a time, a time, and a half time. This simply means in biblical language three and a half years. And when they have made an end of breaking in pieces the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Revival is coming to the world. And it will come to the world through Israel. I want you to understand that there's been many promises made to to Abraham and his descendants. All those promises will be fulfilled. God is not a liar. Everything he has promised to everyone will come to be. And this includes the the, the national people of Israel, the the Jewish remnant that's there today. In Ezekiel it says, As I live, says the Lord Jehovah, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with wrath poured out, will I be king over you. And I will bring you out from the peoples and will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples and there I will enter into judgment with you face to face. Like as I entered into the judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So I will enter into judgment with you, says the Lord Jehovah. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant and I will purge out from among you the rebels. And them that transgress against me, and I will bring them forth out of the land where they sojourn. But they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am Jehovah. Understand that God is bringing his people back, the, the apple of his eye. That is what Israel is called in the Old Testament. They are the apple of the Father's eye. Church, we are the bride of Christ. But Israel has a place, and Israel is being restored to what it once was. So I want to. As we, we look over these things, there's some, I think, some lessons we can learn. And the question, first question I would, I would have us ask ourselves are Are we ready to stand before God Almighty? Honestly, are you ready? If you were to be raptured today, would you be ready to stand before God? Or if it were to happen today, would you not be raptured? Would you be able to stand the tribulation? Almost certainly, to come to salvation during the tribulation means martyrdom. Make no mistake about it. Brothers, you and I have it easy right now. There are tough days ahead. I know oftentimes, we, as I said earlier, we have that pain that's going on. We feel those chains all around us. Hard times happen. Why does this happen? We can see here that when God's pouring out his breath, that sometimes it's because there's evil in our lives. Sometimes we are sinning against a holy God and and deserve a a holy response to that. Sometimes we are being hurt by others that are around us that are living in evil and sinful ways. Collateral damage, if you will. They they are hurting us and we are trying to reason with them and tell them there's a better way. Tell them that God can take away the pains, the addictions, all that, that you're going through. But we don't want to surrender to God and there's pain in our lives because of it. I want us to see that, that God is with us and he is with you. And when we talk about this tribulation, understand that it is a time of grace. God's desire, number three, is to pur- purify us. He will sort out all, all the believers from the unbelievers. Understand clearly, when, when we're in heaven, there's, there's, there's going to be the church. There's going to be all those who give glory to God's name those that, that, that we love that are around us, and some of us here that, that don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord, you will not be there. That is a holy place. You, you cannot just walk into the presence of God. At the end of the day, it's about His glory. When we worship, as we did last night and this morning, we should worship because of God's glory. He deserves to be worshipped. He alone is worthy to be worshipped. So I'd ask you to examine yourselves today. Are you ready for Christ to return? Are you ready? One amen. Half whispered. Don't sound like we're ready, folks. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? I really hope you are. Because whether or not you're ready, he's coming. God has told you over and over. So it'll be like the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? Noah was a faithful preacher. Preached for 120 years. Well, Mike and Tom, how long have you guys been preaching? 120 years? No. Hey, if we combine the three of us, we get halfway there. But the reality, you know, how many converts Noah had? Zero. In our churches today, we call him a failure. We fired him. We would. The reality, he was faithful and obedient. He built the ark as God had told him to do. And just as God had said, the floods came. And God allowed Noah to be saved through his faithfulness. Right right now that the day is coming with the wrath of the Lamb, where Jesus Christ is going to take that seal and start, br- take the scroll and start breaking those seals. And the wrath will be poured out. And there will be many that have been standing here and saying, we are living in the last days. We, we are living in the days of Noah where there is utter sin. Again, I share with the Sunday school class, we talked about the, the days that Jesus lived in, how people were utterly evil and they crucified him. Guess what? Well, you brood of vipers, as Jesus said, your generation is far worse than the generation that crucified Christ. Consider that. They said it would be like the days of Noah where none were found righteous except one in the entire world. There's more righteous in this room right now in the entire world of Noah's days. We wonder why God brought his wrath. Very soon you will see more and more people are falling away. A day will come when, when Jesus breaks that first seal. And what is that first seal? We see a rider on a white horse. Is that Jesus? No, that's not Jesus. Many will, will be deceived in thinking it's Jesus. He has given a crown. He's given a white horse. And he's given a bow. No arrows though. What good is a bow with no arrows? Tells us something about this man. This man is a counterfeit. This man threatens war. But he cannot deliver on that promise. But through, through his threats. He will conquer. Who is this man? It's the person we call the Antichrist. I want you to understand what Satan is doing. Satan is putting together... ...a unholy trinity... ...with Satan as the Godhead... ...the Antichrist as the Son... ...and then we'll later we'll read about the false prophet... ...who is Satan's version of the Holy Spirit. These are bad days that are coming... ...bad days indeed... ...but what we see is a counterfeit of Christ riding out... ...trying to take over and conquer the world. Revelation 19 we will read about the real rider... ...and the white horse... ...who is Jesus Christ... ...who is righteous and true... He is the one you need to fear. You do not need to fear the, this rider, the white horse. For you, if you are a, a true Christian, will not be here. Amen. Well, what what is set out as we look at at this rider? He goes forward to conquer. He is embedded with Satan, embedded with the one who is a liar and a father of lies. I want us to see that the next three horses that come are a result of this white horse, this rider that is there. The next horse is is red. As we read, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that men should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. If you want to understand the events of Revelation, I encourage you to study Matthew 24. Jesus gives you an outline of how it's going to happen. What happens, the Antichrist comes and goes in the world and deceives many. And through his deception, many will try to kill each other. A day will come where men try to kill you, saying they are doing the work of God. I bet you could sound out a few people you could name that are doing that already, can't you? The stage is the, the stage is being set for all this. When we read going on in the the ancient ancient world with, with this writer that that is permitted to make war and to have um, people kill each other in the ancient world. When when armies would go out and make war, it was impossible to be a farmer. Why was it impossible? Because the soldiers would come and steal your crops because they were hungry. They were a long ways from home. There was no grocery store to go and buy the food. And oftentimes, if they didn't steal your food what, during their marching, they would de- destroy it. Many times on purpose. And so this leads to our to our, our next. A seal that is broken. It says, When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and look, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in its hand. Quite clearly, these scales represent the fact that it's going to be very hard to, to live. Only the super wealthy, only the Donald Trumps of the world are going to be able to withstand this and not be hurt. This is a day's wages for a piece of bread. I want you to think about right now. I know we we have some people who make very little in here, some people make a whole lot, most of us are somewhere in between. How much does a loaf of bread cost? If you buy a good loaf, maybe $2.50? How much do you make in a day? I guarantee you it's more than $2.50. If you make $100 a day, that's what it's saying, a loaf of bread is going to cost you $100. People are going to starve, people are going to die, it is going to be hard. We're going to need food pantries. There won't be enough link cards to go around. Utter poverty. If we can look back to the Great Depression. And we're going to see that as cupcake compared to what is coming. But I want want you to see what God is doing this. He's not just some cruel, vengeful God that wants to see people starve. He is seeing which people belong to Him. Who are willing to stand up for Him. And who are willing to trust Him. God is preparing His people to trust Him. Through these devastations that human governments create, understand that what these what these horsemen represent are are the the evil ways of the governments of this world. When when the Antichrist comes and he rises to power and he starts to take over, these wars that happen, these the, these these famines that, that that take place, they they are the work of the evil one. But God is using that as the scriptures say. He he will use the things that are done for evil, for his own good. And he's going to bring to himself a holy people. His consequences, of course, go go way beyond. And and finally, we we see the, the, the fourth horse, which to me may be the scariest of all. When he opened the fourth horse, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. Hades here means the grave. Wherever this horse went, death went. We read about in the Old Testament the angel of death. You get the same kind of connotation here. Wherever this horseman rides out, there is death. I want us to understand that what is happening with these first judgments. They are all afflicting on the earth. The next two will be in heaven. As as we, we look out and, and see what is God is doing, he's, He is he's, As Charles Spurgeon once said, God will always break a man down before he builds him up. He is breaking the world down to see who really belongs to him. Who is going to stand, even in the hardest of days. Who is going to stand and have faith and hope that they know Jesus is coming again. I pray a day comes where where the messages that we're now recording and putting online, when most of us have gone home in the rapture, that those who are left can still hear those messages and have hope or those that, that, that are left can, can get a hold of our Bibles and still have hope that Jesus Christ is coming. Because while it will seem like an eternity those seven years, it will not be that long, and Christ will return, and He will set up peace on earth, and it will be glorious in all, all that we, we've we looked back at and we'll look ahead at. We'll, we'll see all these things that have happened throughout the history of the world, and especially during this short period of time and we brothers and sisters will not count it to be worthy to even be mentioned compared to God's glory and his mercy and his grace that he has given us we will look at the hard times in our lives I I am astonished at the number of of people that we know with cancer both in this church and outside of this church it is mind blowing as brother Clay rightly put really this is part of the pestilence the disease that is going on it is going to increase and increase We see strange things in the heavens and the stars. We see strange things in the weather, earthquakes and typhoons. We see people being shot up in nightclubs day after day. People over in Europe are being stabbed and run over by religious fanatics. The time is here. If you can't see the signs, it's because the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you. I pray you, you will come to know him today. So As we go on, there's two more seals I'll quickly touch on before we close. But the fifth seal is the martyrs. These martyrs, I don't know, when you read this, they may seem a little Old Testament to you. Do they seem a little Old Testament to you, to me? When we read about, in the New Testament, we read about Stephen and asking them to have mercy on those killing him. We see Jesus asking forgiveness for those that killed him. What do we see with these martyrs? These that have come to faith and have been put to death during the tribulation. What do we see That they asked for. How long, O Lord, are you going to wait to avenge our blood? Understand the wrath of the Lamb. That this, this Lamb is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. They are expecting Him to get up and get on that white horse. And ride out with sword drawn and take vengeance upon all those on the earth. Who have slain them. Who have blasphemed God's name do not think that God will not avenge his people if you are bold enough to stand for your faith and someone dares to put you to death they will stand before a holy and righteous God they will stand before the lion of the tribe of Judah and give an account and thousands upon thousands of them will be cut down by that lion here's the good news folks when Jesus returns who returns with him you do. Understand, when we talk about being in glory, when we talk about going home, we're not really talking about heaven, are we? We are talking about being in the presence of Jesus Christ. And where he is, we shall be forevermore. Amen. When Christ returns, you will be riding right alongside him. I talked with the class. I said, I hope I get a hat of sword. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how sharp it is. I I just want to have a sword. Because I know full well with Jesus right in the front, everyone's gone before I ever get up there. It's hard to fight a man when when he can literally speak you out of existence. he can cut you down with the word of his mouth. understand that is Christ and he is coming again. You need to be bold. You need to tell your friends and family about that. I encourage you... (coughs) To, with Revelation 6, to read verses 12 through 17 to your family. Let them know this is coming. This is not some Hollywood fairy tale. God has been telling us over and over and over and over and over again. If you believe this is the Word of God, you best believe Jesus is coming again. And it's not going to be a bed of roses. In fact, Scripture declares that the white horse Jesus. Rise When he rides through Jerusalem, the blood will be up to the, the horse's mouth, up to the girdle. Think about that. How, how much blood must be spilled to be that high? I can't fathom it. But understand, God is not going to be mocked. And so I'm going to end, and I'm just going to reread the sixth tale, because I think it needs very little explanation. There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the skies fell to the earth as the fig tree shed its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. The kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks on the mountains. Calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! And hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? And people aren't too excited that are left on earth to see Jesus return. No matter how rich you are, you're hiding in the caves with the, the slaves. It doesn't matter how sad your story is. What matters is, have you professed Jesus Christ as your Lord? Are you serving him? Are you being obedient to what he's called you to do? That is all that's going to matter in the end. Amen. Our bank accounts are worried about will we have enough for retirement in 30 years? I really doubt you're ever going to see it. Amen. But I can tell you if you store up treasure in heaven, as the good word tells us to do, you'll be blessed beyond measure. You'll be standing in the very presence of God. And when Christ returns, the Father is sending him a landing present. He is sending him New Jerusalem, which you will call home. Christ is in heaven and he's, he's not idle right now. Scripture in John 14 declares what he's doing. I've gone to prepare a place for you for the time For you, Becky. For you, Mike. For everyone here, he has gone to prepare a place for all those that call on his name. Amen. And if he goes, he will come and get you. To Take you to be with Him where He is. And you'll be part of the wedding feast and it'll be joyous. And you'll look down of all the stuff that is going on in the earth that Revelation talks about and believe it or not, you will be rejoicing. You'll be praising God for sending out these riders. You'll be praising God for the seals and the bowls and the vials that are being poured out. You'll be praising God for the judgment that is coming upon the earth. For like, like when Noah got on the boat and he saw all the raindrops starting to fall, you were praising God that he was purifying the earth, purifying a holy people for himself. A day will very soon be here where Christ returns and there is a new heaven, a new earth. There is no more evil. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more cancer. <coughs> there's no more sin. There's no more Satan. There's no more spiritual warfare. For Christ has conquered. The Lion of the tribe of Judah has stepped forth. And when he roars, nobody dares raise a single thing to him. I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord today, come down and bow the knee while you have time. You do not need to go through the suffering of this book. You can be in heaven with Jesus forever. You can be with us. I don't know what they're serving on the table. But I know there's going to be a good amount of Baptists up there, so it's going to be a good evening. But most of all, you'll be with your Lord Jesus. There's nothing I can describe that's ever going to be like it. Yes, we'll be with our loved ones that we long for. That is our great hope in the resurrection. But ultimately, it's Jesus. He is our prize. He is our glory. He is our crown. He is our everything. Make Him your everything this day. Let us pray. Our oh, Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for your holy word, Lord. I give you thanks that you're worthy. I give you thanks that you you're able to take upon that scroll, Lord. You were able to break those seals. And you are able to call us home and meet us in the air and be with us forever, Lord. We long to be with you. I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that the Spirit get a hold of them. That they come down and time the altar call and bend the knee before us at the altar, Lord. Not so we can see it, but so you can see it so they could go before you in their heart and declare you as Lord and see their forgiveness of their sins. See, see all the muck and the ick of this world, the sin and the, the death and disease just be washed away in your precious blood, Lord. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.